0: Uh, Colossians. So, uh, Colossi was a city in Asia Minor, uh, or what we would say, modern day Turkey. Today, um, it was approximately about a hundred miles east of Ephesus. Now, how many know where Ephesus was? That's what I thought. Ephesus was. Uh, <laughs> there you go, <laughs> Lane does. Uh, Ephesus was on the coast uh, there, and and so it would be a hundred miles east inland and uh and so it was that where it was near just south of the city of Laodicea. Anyone ever heard of that city in the Bible, Laodicea? Okay, so it was just a little bit south of there and mis- most historians believe that the city was approximately 25 to 30,000 people. So you could kind of almost say it is approximately about the size of Bedford, you know, when it's got everybody coming to town to get something, all right? Um, and the author of this book, and we'll find out, uh, Paul is the uh, w- the main author of this book. At the beginning of this book, it, it actually says Paul and Timothy. Maybe Timothy was there visiting with him. He's actually, uh, it's written about 60 AD, 64 AD, or in that range. And uh, many still believe that Paul was in prison while writing this epistle, which he did a lot. All right? And the um, just kind of give you the overarching theme of. Of this book, all right? I'm gonna give you a very detailed one and then I'm gonna break it down to you, okay? The very detailed one is Jesus Christ is the supreme Lord of the universe and head of the church. Everyone say Amen. Uh, he is the only one through whom which forgiveness is possible. Everyone say Amen. Making legal obligations or philosophical studies irrelevant in matters out of salvation. Everyone say Amen. What does that mean? Jesus Christ is supreme over everyone and everything. That's the simplicity of it right there. Amen. Now everyone say amen to that. Uh, so Colossians and Ephesians, they're they're very unique. They almost uh, parallel each other. Uh, both letters reveal the centrality of Christ as the head of the church. How many know that Jesus Christ is the head of the church? And Jesus Christ not only is the head of the church, but he has a relationship with his church. Amen. And so in Ephesians, Paul highlights how Christians are the body of Christ and Christ is the head, but here in Colossians he emphasizes that Christ is the head, and the body of believers are its members. So, so they're kind of they're they're very parallel of each other. One is the emphasis on our relationship with the Lord, and one is uh, the emphasis of the Lord's relationship with us. So, so Paul uh, wrote this letter to deal with heresy that was creeping into the Colossian church. Okay. Um, Paul would say in this little book I mean you can kind of sum it up know the truth and be grounded in truth how many know it's important today to know the truth of God and to be grounded in the truth of God in chapter one he he emphasizes the truth of Christ in chapter two he he, uh, he deals with the truth about cults if you want to find out some interesting stuff chapter two of Colossians he deals with a lot of things. And we'll deal with that next week. Um, and then chapters 3 and 4, he, he deals with the truth about the Christian. So without any further ado, we're going to just jump right in. And if you're new, uh, what would I do on, on when I do this is I just go line for line, verse for verse, and, and just kind of break it down. So uh, if, you, um, if you know anything about Paul, he always starts with the greeting, and, and I love that. How many of you like to be greeted? I mean, like to walk into a store and not be greeted by somebody? Some of you are like, that's us. Yeah, all my introverts raise their hand. Uh, all right. So he says this. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, the saints and faithful brothers in Christ as at Colossae. Grace to you and peace from God our Father. Now, if you've been here at any point on a Wednesday night, you know what I'm about to say, right? Where Paul always introduces himself in most of his writings that Paul, he usually says "This grace to you and peace from God our Father. Very common. Where you find the grace of God, you have the peace of God, okay? Those two things go hand in hand. This is the typical greeting by Paul in the New Testament. He comes in he gives his credentials, an apostle of Christ, who he is. And uh, uh, and so, again, he, where you find the grace of God, you find the peace of God. And so Paul is going to deal with some doctrine heresy uh, because what's happening here in this particular church is Gnosticism and Judaizers have crept in. What does that mean, Gnosticism? That is... Uh, they taught, and this was this was something uh, a doctrine that was creeping into Christianity at this time. Gnosticism taught that Christ was not supreme, and that he was a lesser uh, a divinity that he that he was not the supreme God. All right, and then so that's creeping in, and then on top of that, there's these Judaizers who come behind Paul. Usually, when he's he's preaching somewhere. And they say what Paul has talked about, especially, I'll give you a good example, into to the Galatians, he talks about freedom a lot because he's talking, he's pointing out to these, these people who come behind and say, hey, yeah, you can know Jesus, but to be a true believer in Christ, you still got to be circumcised and you still got to follow these rules and regulations. How many know that that is, um, that is called legalism and Jesus has set us free, amen? It's by grace that we are saved, right? It's because, the reason why is because we can't boast about it. It's because it's what Christ has done within us. So, Paul, he'll address uh, those two things in chapter 2. But before correction, Paul begins to give thanksgiving and prayer for them. So, if you need a subheading here in verse, uh, the, you know, if you're taking notes. Uh, and I want to just advise you, take some notes. Because I want to touch on something, I think, leading into our fast That is going to help us out, okay, tonight. So if you got a pen, if you don't have a pen, grab your phone out, take some notes. I want to give you something. Verse 3, it says this. So a subheading is this. Paul starts with a thanksgiving and prayer. And so he begins to talk to the Colossians. Um, he, He says this. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time when you were praying for someone, you, th- you thank God for that person? Interesting to me. I, I really like that. Paul, and here's, here's even something that's even further interesting about this statement. Paul, uh, we have no record of him ever being in Colossae, and, and we'll find out from later in the book that he would most likely never even go there. So he has never met any of these people, but yet he is already thanking God and speaking highly of these people. There's a reason. So he heard great things about the believers there uh, in, in in the Colossians, and it caused his heart to rejoice and to respond, praying for continued blessing on them. Have you ever heard a good report about somebody? <clears throat> have you ever have you ever heard a good news like, man, this this person they're doing great. God has set them free. God is doing great work within. God is using them mightily. Right. Uh, so here 's a novel idea that we can learn from how often do we only pray for people when they need prayer or when they are in need? We could pray for people that are doing well this is this is this is mind blowing and, and i 'm guilty of this. Sometimes the only people I pray for are those that are sick and afflicted. but the truth of the matter is my tendency is to 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 pray for those, but the truth of the matter is. That, that, you know, sometimes when someone is doing well, <clears throat> we ought to pray that God would keep ordering their steps so the enemy wouldn't trip them up. Amen? So it's also important to pray for those who are doing well because inevitably the enemy at some point is going to, if they're doing well, he's going to launch an attack at them. And we ought to pray that God will sustain them and be with them. Amen? So be like Paul. When you hear that someone is doing well, pray for them. When you hear that someone's doing that needs prayer, pray for them. Pray for them. So, uh, so intercede on their behalf. Verse four says this: "Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus." So the, uh, I, now the next little portion of scripture, the next two two verses, I believe, we're going to deal with 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 three things that I think every church should have, uh, foundationally. Okay, number one, uh, this is the first mark of a of a mature church. Is this number one? Since we heard about your faith in Christ Jesus, number one is every mature church should have faith. Everyone say, Faith. Hebrews tells us that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Impossible to please God. The church that gathers together with believing uh, God is going to do great things will ex uh, uh, the one that doesn't that doesn't believe that God is going to do great things will not experience renew renewal or revival or blessing, but the church that comes together in faith in expectation in trusting in the lord you 're going to see renewal you 're going to see revival, and you're going to see blessing amen so faith is to believe what you do not see. I like this saint augustine he said this faith is to believe what you do not see the reward of this faith is to see. What you believe. Let me say that again. Saint Augustine said this: Faith is to believe what you do not see, and the reward of faith is to see what you believe. I I, I like this. This D. Elton Trueblood said this: Faith is not belief without proof, but trust without reservation. Man, I I love that. That one. That one gets me going. Faith is not belief without proof, but trust without reservation. And Scripture tells us, Romans tells us that the just shall live by right. We don't live by faith in faith, but we believe we live by faith in God. All right. Sometimes, if we aren't careful, we can we can have we can put faith in faith versus faith in God. Does that make sense? Sometimes we, it's all about our faith, but remember, it's not about our works. It's about trusting. And believing in God, our faith in God. So faith is is a pillar to our belief in Jesus Christ. So that's the first thing that you see in a mature church. So Paul, he's talking to the Colossians here. That's the first thing he's giving them in the attaboy. I see that you guys are operating in faith. So here's the next thing that he says. And of the love that you have for all saints. Number two, everyone say love. The second mark of a mature church is love. And John 13, 35 tells us, That is love that identifies us as his disciples. How will people know that you are a Christ follower? By the love that is coming from you. And the love that you give towards others. Uh, Have you ever wondered, think about this, have you ever wondered why there's so many arguments about different doctrines, different denominations? Wouldn't it be nice if, uh, I mean, Um, you know, one day it will, but wouldn't it be nice if it was just clear where it was just crystal clear, you got to believe this way, and, you know, we, we didn't, we had this doctrine and you know, some denominations believe this doctrine. But we have these, these varying views, and both can really kind of be, be covered in gospel. If you look at it. I'm not talking about essentials now. Jesus Christ dying on the cross, that's an essential. That is unshakable. You cannot miss that. Jesus Christ raising from dead, that is a, that is an essential. You can't shake that. I'm not talking about those things, but I'm talking about non-essential things sometimes that we get in arguments over. Let me give you an example. How about worship styles? That's a good one. Some churches like it quiet, dry and dead. Some people like to like it where people are shaking and moving from the rafters. Right? And you know what that is? Those are those are preferences. And 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 you know there are moments and so but here's what happens in this this whole process of doctrinally this group believes this and doctrinally this group believes this but what's interesting one day all that's going it's all going to come to knowledge when we come to Jesus and they're going to find out that we were right i'm just joking all right I think we're all going to learn some things. When, we, when it all comes, God's going to open and reveal things to us, and I think we're going to find out. But here's why we have, this is, I, I really begin to think about this. Here's why we have so many different beliefs oftentimes in Christianity, and this group believes this, and this group worships like this, and this group likes this. But think about this. The reason that we have this is it gives me the opportunity to love someone else. Sometimes that's not always easy. Just because I have a different doctrine than somebody doesn't mean that, that I can't love them. Matter of fact, it gives me the opportunity to love them. And I love that. I mean, I, I love that. Um, it it, it kind of blows my mind. Did you know this? I think when we get to heaven, we're going to find out that maybe groups that we thought were wrong were probably right. And, and maybe they'll find out that things that they thought we were wrong on, that we were right. And here's the, here's the thing. I can still love them. Do they believe in Jesus Christ? Do they believe that he is the only sacrifice for your sins? Do they believe that this word of God is infallible? All right. Those are all, those are all essential things. And listen, and maybe we might have some variances in doctrine, but I can still love them. And the, 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 one of the key pillars to a maturing believer and a maturing church is that you can love other people. Even if you disagree on certain things. And we can disagree on non-essential doctrines and and fellowship together. So how do we do that? We follow the example of love by Jesus Christ. Maybe you have a different stance on certain things. And, you know, there's there's pre-trib, post-trib, and everyone's got all these different views. But you know what? I can still love you if you have a differing view than me. And so loving one another, I love this, because it all comes down to loving each other. Here's the problem, and I'm going on a little rant right here. Oftentimes, we want to prove that we are right versus showing our love. And that's dangerous. And, I mean, the Holy Spirit has checked me. Stop, shut up, TJ, don't say anything, just love on them. Okay, God. I need that in my life. So, uh, so loving one another as Christ loves us. Look at this. Verse number 5 says this. Here's number 3. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel. So finally, a solid, mature uh, uh, church will hope, will have hope in its heart. What is hope? You've heard me say this. It is the absolute expectation of coming good. What is our hope? Our hope is Jesus Christ and that we'll be in heaven with him one day. What is the blessed hope as a believer? Is that this life is temporal. The things that we deal with in this life, they're not going to be here forever. Matter of fact, this is the time that we're here on this earth. The struggles that we have are very small compared to the eternity that is ahead of us. And if we keep that perspective, if we keep our eyes focused on the hope, and that's what the early church did. They always kept their eyes focused on the hope of Jesus Christ. What is coming? And so hope says it's it, 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 its tough down here, but it's the worst that it will ever be. And Jesus is coming. Life is short. And we are going to heaven. This week, um, I don't know if you guys saw this, but I – I get, I get a, a few emails. Jay Weaver, who is the bassist uh, for Big Daddy Weave, uh, passed away. Anybody, any Big Daddy Weave fans in the house? Okay. The bass player for them, for his it, it's Mike, I think, is the lead singer. His brother is the bassist. And he had diabetes, and he uh, contracted COVID, and he died this week. And, and, and as I was reading an article on this, and I was thinking about this, Michael, the lead singer for Big Daddy Weed, he, he said on their Instagram, Instagram account that he was sorry to announce, listen to this, I want you to look at this perspective that he has. He said he is sorry to announce of his brother's death, but excited where his brother is now with Jesus. How many know that we have the blessed hope of Jesus? Amen. Come on, give Jesus a hand clap of praise. <clears throat> now that is hope. We have hope as believers, and our hope is Jesus Christ. Amen. It may seem bad. It may seem tough now, but the day will be made right. And I can tell you this. I love that. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Verse 6 says this. Which has come to you as indeed uh, the whole world a- is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also uh, does among you, since the day you heard heard it and understood the grace of God and truth. So, Um, I believe this, that a church, a family, or an individual who is focused on these three things, faith, love, and hope, is a stable person or a stable church. There's stability to them, okay? I have faith in God. I'm going to love on others. And my my eternal hope is going to be in Jesus Christ and him alone. And here's what we know. We see the Colossians here. Paul's giving them boy. Hey, you guys have done great things here. Yeah, I, see, I see faith in, in, in your fellowship. I see love in your fellowship. And I see hope in your fellowship. And we see in the Colossians that they're, they're led to maturity and stability, but also fruitfulness as others are drawn in their midst. So as we do those three things, it brings people. And the gospel always produces fruit. The gospel always produces fruit and produces the right kind of fruit. And and, and this is amazing to me. If you think about this, their church grew (coughs) there in Colossae without Instagram, without social media, without the Internet, without live stream capability. Without radio, without all the mass media things that we have today, without books, without um, maybe there was books, but not like we understand books, where they could just do. But it it grew. Why? Because people had a passion for Jesus Christ, and they were willing to tell people the best way to spread the gospel is by mouth, by you, by your experience. People see the passion of Jesus Christ in your life. It's still the best way to spread the gospel. 30 years after Jesus ascended here. This is 30 years, and the known world at that point had pretty much been covered by the gospel of Christ. And I can't help but think in this world of mass media, there's more darkness now than there was then. Is it because we've become complacent? Because we forgot our first love and our passion. Uh, and, And we have every tool known to mankind, but yet... It seems so dark, and seems so, so vague. Yesterday, I was in a store, um, in Bloomington, and while I was in this store, I was checking out, and this young man began to talk to me, and this young lady that was checking me out, um, they they just began to talk to me, and as I began to talk to them, I I began to listen to what he was saying, and and he said he goes, "So, so what do you do? And I said, actually, I'm a pastor, and he said, what church do you pastor? And I told him, he said, well, he said, I, I've, I moved here four years ago, and, and we wanted to start a ministry here. And I began to talk to him. He began to share with me what his ministry was and how they had started. And I said, did you ever get your, your they, had, they had, you know, tried a few churches and stuff while they were trying to build their ministry. And, and and he had mentioned, he said, I think I've been to your church. And I said, okay. And and we began to talk, and they hit. And I said, did you ever get your ministry up off the ground? He said, yeah, we were able to get our ministry up off the ground. And in this conversation, we're just talking. This young lady, she's sitting there, and, and she says, what church is it? She said, where is it at exactly? So I began to explain to her, hey, we're, we're down by uh, in Judah. And I said, across from, you know, everyone knows Johnny's because that's great chicken, right? And and, and I began to explain. She goes, oh, I, I, I know that church. And she said, you know what? You know, and she began to ask questions. So I began to be able to tell her about our church. And it's all about being a living light in a dark world. Now, I could have closed myself off in that moment. And he said, what do you do for a living? I just said, just let me pay for my stuff and let me get out of here. But I'll never know the results of maybe, maybe that, that young lady will come to church here at some point. I don't know. but So God has called us to do that. Everyone say Amen. And so the thing about the gospel, every place that the gospel touches, there is fruit. Did you know, do you know how orphanages got started? The early church, the Romans, and, and the Greeks, if, if people had a child and they didn't want that child, they'd just leave it out on the street. You know it was the Christians who would come by and pick those kids up, and, th- and they would collect those kids, and they created orphanages. Did you know that? Did you know that, that uh, in, in this country, how many hospitals share the name Baptist, share the name Methodist, share the name Catholic? Right? Did you know that all those things, every place that the gospel touches, things are changed. Food banks, things like that. Those are not government entities. I know the government does certain things. But can I tell you something? The church has always been the hope for the world and still is leading the way. We've got to get, we get busy and get moving. Amen? So, so we're still, listen to me, we are still eating of the fruit of the people who came over, uh, the pilgrims who came over. We're still eating of the fruit that they had labored for and brought to us today. Can I tell you that as we sit here comfortably right now? Look at this. Verse 7 says this. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our, our uh, beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. And uh, Verse 8. And has made known to us your love in the spirit. So Epaphras is a young pastor here. And he would have sat under Paul's tutelage in Ephesus. You know, while Paul is teaching there, he taught there in Ephesus for three years. He would have been there. And he's from Colossae. And so he went over there. He learned. He went back. And he began to pastor. And he began to love on these people. Amen. And Paul speaks highly of a preface because he spoke of how good the Colossians were. He didn't come back to Paul and say, hey, Paul, uh, these they're terrible. I don't want to be here. They're just a bunch of, of, of troublemakers. He didn't say those things, but he talked about all the good things. Can I tell you something? He actually gossiped good about them. When's the last time that you gossiped good about somebody? I love that. I, I mean, literally, just like, like mind-blowing. He, he's talking about how great. When's the last time you talked about how great someone was behind their back? You were talking to someone and said, man, you know what? I know David. David Matthews, that guy is awesome. He's okay. <laughs> it's his wife speaking over there. All right. Not only is it pleasing to God when we talk good about someone, but can I tell you something? It has an impact on them. The one, uh, and, 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 and it has an impact on me. And let me give you an example. To a degree that, that you are the person I, I, I say you are, uh, when you are around, so uh, here's here's a good example. Say when you leave church on Sunday morning, and you walk out of. The, I'll use myself as an example. And you walk out of here, and you get in your car, and you look at your spouse, and you say, "Boy, that pastor's an idiot." You know what you're doing. You're you're speaking into something there. And you're hearing that, and what happens is the next time that we see each other, you look at me and that very thing that you think that i am that that an idiot and i you know maybe sometimes i am but but i'm not an idiot all the time all right but but here's the thing you know that very thing that you said about me when you see me that thing has been planted in you about me whether it's true or whether it's not true and so even though those things uh, are there so on the other hand if you talk well of someone behind their back the next time you see them You will look at them in a better light. Oh, man, I know this is way better teaching than you guys are are even giving an amen for because I know I'm stepping on some toes maybe right now. See, talking uh, talking about people behind their back affects your view and your mindset of them. And, And can I tell you something? The power of words is awesome. You don't even realize it because of the reason, because of that reason, you ought to be careful what you say about someone when they're not around. Have you ever had to go back and apologize to someone because you got the wrong mindset about somebody? I'm an idiot. I've done it. Right? Talk about about the good stuff in people. That's what Epaphras says. So look at this, verse 9. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. Did you catch that? The day that that Paul, he's, he's writing the Colossians, the day that he heard all these good things, he said, we have been praying for you. You guys are doing good. We are holding you up in prayer. We are asking God to do amazing things. Remember, Paul never met them, but yet he's praying for them. Think about all the missionaries and all the, all the missionaries who have raised up pastors who you have never met that you have the opportunity to pray for. I've never met this missionary in Guatemala uh, that serves underneath our missionary. I, I don't know them, but I have the opportunity to pray for them because I hear a good report. They're doing great things. Imagine if we would start praying for others, uh, other ministries that maybe we don't know so well in our county. Imagine if we started praying for other churches. God, help them. Fill them up. Give them the resources that they need. Bless them. Bless their pastors. Oh man, I, I, I tell you what, and I'm working on this within myself. How do we pray for those uh, we don't know anything about? Paul is just saying this. There's there's six things here, and listen, the, there's six things or seven things here to pray for with people whether we know them or not. So look at this. I love this. the sec, the last the next part of this verse says this. It says, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Verse ten. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Verse 11, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Verse 12, give thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the, in the inheritance of the saints in light. Verse 13, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness, and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. So look at this. I'm going to give you these. I'm going to give you these fast. I'm going I'm to try to throw these out there. What a beautiful prayer he prays right here. And there's model prayers in the Bible. How many have heard that Jesus, he gave us the the ultimate prayer, right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You break that down. There's things, he prayed a specific way. That's a good thing. There's another way that we could pray. We could pray, uh, you know, if you look at it, pray through the tabernacle. That's another way. Here is a prayer that I think will help you when you're praying for someone. You ought to write these points down. And when you pray for someone, you need to pray these points, not necessarily what you think they need. All right, so look at this. Paul's prayer is about, uh, I like this, everything in here is about eternal things, not temporal things. I, that's the first thing, okay. Uh, number one, number one, he prays this. The model prayer for us right here is this, that they will know the will of God. Man, you're praying for your child. Maybe you're praying for a wayward child or a wayward husband or a wayward whatever. Let's pray that they will know the will of God. Because this instead of praying, hey, for what we want, pray that God's will concerning that person. His ways are higher than yours. He knows best. Amen? So here's number two. Walk worthy of him. Pray this, that they, that, that person would walk worthy of him. Verse 9. Uh, you know, it's amazing. There's a story. Alexander the Great. Uh, he, they went to battle. And he was there, and there was a, a soldier there. And this soldier, they, they, they annihilated the other army, and this soldier came. And um, uh, Alexander the Great, he, he is there, and he, he sees a soldier who didn't do very good on the battlefield. And he said, soldier, he said, what's your, what's your name? And he said, he said, my name is Alexander. He said, either change your name or change your action. And oftentimes for us as Christians, we, we bear the name of Jesus Christ Sometimes we don't represent that name very well. That we would walk worthy of him. That we would pray that they will walk worthy of the Lord. So here's the third one. Be fruitful. Verse 10. Genesis 49, Jacob would say this of Joseph, and I love this. He said he's, he's like his, his son Joseph, probably his favorite son, truthfully. He, he, is, he is planted by a well, and his branches overflow over the wall. What a prayer of blessing. As he's blessing all his sons, he says that specific thing about Joseph. When you're praying for someone, pray. God, help that person to be fruitful in their life, that there is fruit that is overflowing even into places that they don't even realize. Sorry, I'm spitting all over the place up here. Planted by the well of the word and overflowing to others, bearing fruit. Number four, increasing in the knowledge of God. you colossians There they he's telling him he said you're you're going to grow. How do we do that? We get in the word. Be a student of the word of God. It's essential in growing in the knowledge of God. Why well, don't hear from God? Have you opened this book lately? He speaks. He speaks through this book. He speaks through this book. I promise you, open this. Number 5. Be strengthened in his might and and be strengthened by by his power. Not yours. Now I talked a little bit on this on Sunday. And it's his power at work within you. It's his strength. It's his, it's his power. Number number six, be patient and full of joy. Oh, I liked them all up until that point. Be patient. Be long-suffering. Oh, I liked it till you said that, TJ. That means that you're going to have to give some people the benefit of the doubt even when you don't want to give them the benefit of the doubt. Be long suffering, be patient, suffering long, not getting panicky or getting edgy. Instead, having joy. Well, it's just gonna work itself out. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna trust in God. And here's the last one giving thanks to the Father. Verse 12. In everything give. Thank you. In everything give thanks. I know I sound like a broken record. But it is important for our growth. We need to give thanks to God on a daily basis. Those are all important issues, but they 're all eternal issues so that 's a great model to pray when you 're praying specifically for someone oftentimes I do this I pray for someone I know their need and I, I pray specific yeah I pray pointed that then I, I just would say it a little different I, I pray pointed that that need would be met in a specific way, but the truth of the matter is God knows what 's best. my little finite mind. I don't know what's best for you. Some people say, oh, pastor, will you pray that I get this job? You know what? You know what I really pray is, God, give them the wisdom to know if this is the right job or if this is some kind of stumbling block or issue that it could be for them. God, just help them. So this is how we should pray for our kids, our grandchildren, our parents, our husband, those in the directory, the person across the church whom we don't like. You ought to pray for them. The people in town that we don't like. You Ought to pray for them. This is a great model. Amen. Verse 14 In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I don't know about you. I love this. I am redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. Amen. Scripture would say this Though your skins, are, though, though your skins, though your sins are scarlet, he has washed them white as snow. I am am redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. So I, I like this if you need a heading on this next portion of scripture is this the preeminence of Christ. Now I know that's a big word and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna break it down for you. Verse 15 says this He is, capital H there, you see that he talking about Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. So preeminence is this preeminence. So you want a simple definition of preeminence is this surpassing all all others superior. How many know that we have a God who passes all others and is superior? Amen. He there capitalized speaking of Jesus. You say, "I want to know God." Then get to know Jesus because He is a He is he like Father, like Son. Right there, He is the image of the invisible God. John fourteen seven says this: If you had known me. You would have known my Father also, talking to the disciples. From now on, you, uh, you do know him and have seen him. And if you look at that, it, that's in the past tense there, but it can be rendered in the present tense as well, as well. So if you know Jesus, you'll know the Father. Know Jesus, you'll know God. And I want to encourage you, read your Bible, read about Jesus, read the Gospels. I know in the, sometimes in our reading plans we jump around, but you've got to keep that to the center. Jesus Christ is the center of all that we are. I'm jumping ahead of myself here. <laughs> the next part of this says, the firstborn of all creation. And this is not talking about firstborn in chronological order. So we, you know, I have an older brother. He is the firstborn in chronological order. But it is talking about the firstborn in priority. So what does that mean? See, this is a tricky verse and uh, the Jehovah's Witness and, and the Mormon cults would use this verse in error saying that because Jesus was born, he was created, thus not eternal. But John 1.1 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was what? With God. So we know that. So the Greek word here is, is protokos, or I'm probably butchering that, translated firstborn, and, and it doesn't speak chronologically, but it speaks of priority. What do you mean by that? How many know that Jacob was the second son, and he was blessed? Another example, Ephraim. Who also was the second was not the firstborn, but had priority. Let me give you another example. Uh, um, uh, Jill Biden, it Jill, Jill, J I L L, not Joe. Jill Biden is the first lady of of our nation. Right? That is a title given to her. Is she the first lady that ever came to America? No. It is a title, and that is exactly what the firstborn is like that. It's a position. It is a title, and that's what it's talking about. Jesus is that. Jesus was the priority and given the title because of his position to God the Father. So look at this, verse 16. For by him all things were created. Woo, I like this. This man is going to get rich here. Uh, For by him, or in him, it might say in your your Bible, all things were created in heaven and on earth. Visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. Now, this is talking about the, uh, we talked about this in Ephesians. There are, there are uh, levels of, of demons and angels, and this is kind of spelling that out. We talked about that a few weeks ago in Ephesians. So, it's saying this, and all those things, all things were created through him and what? For him. Oh, this is the secret to life right here. Jesus is not the created one. He is the creator. He is the creator. Uh, That's why we could say this. This is the day that the what? Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day. uh, This day was made by him and for him. And the only way it works for me is if I live for him. Because in so doing, I will be fulfilling the only reason it was created. I said a lot there, but there's, there's a lot of potency there. You were created to serve, to worship, and to love the Lord. Now, I, I don't want to mess, mess you up. Jesus is not a genie in a bottle for you. You were created to serve him. Now, he served you on the cross, and he's done great things for you. But let me tell you something. I, you say, I don't like that. Can I tell you this? Tough. Tough. I don't like gravity either, but if I jump off a 10-story building, I'm going to hurt myself or kill myself because it is a law that does not change. Whether I like it or don't like it, the truth is the truth. And the sooner that I realize this, that I exist for him, the happier and more fulfilled I'll be in my life. Understanding this, oh, that means bringing myself down. That means bringing myself in humility and saying, God, I'm here to serve you. I'm here to live for you. Here's what I know. There is a God-shaped hole in every one of us. Who was it, McJagger? I can't get no what? Satisfaction. You know why? Because you need Jesus, McJagger. That's the only thing that will satisfy you. Verse 17. And he is before all things, and in him all things what? Hold together. There's, there's, there's so much potency in this, um, and I'm going to mispronounce this, but there's a law of electricity, and I, I think it's Coulomb's Law of Electricity, and it states this, that like charges will repel each other, right? Uh, I'll give you an example. Two positive sides of magnets, what, will push away. But you put the negative side and a positive side of a magnet; they'll come together, right? So, so we know that, okay. Uh, and this is not a theory; this is a law. We know this. This, this is how it works. So, um, but the opposites attract. Now, this is interesting, okay? This is, and I am in no means uh, not qualified to even discuss this, okay? But I, I just want—I don't want to share this. In an atom, the nucleus is full of what? Protons protons have what kind of charge positive charge some of you are going man i don't remember my 7th grade science class it had they have They have positive charge, and they are there in the nucleus. As a matter of fact, if we had a baseball, which was an atom, and we were to place it in L.A., um, the protons and the the nucleus would be there in L.A., the electrons would be all the way over in New York City. That's the distance and the space that is in an atom, okay? Super interesting. Probably don't care. Irrelevant to my point. All right. So anyways... Uh, and, and like I said, I'm not an expert on any of these. But in an atom, the nucleus is full of protons that are light-charged protons, but there is something that holds those things together. This is amazing to me. This is amazing to me. Um, um, and and, 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 and I, like I said, I'm not an expert. But what is keeping them together? Science doesn't even know. Quantum physics, they have these theories and they have these hypotheses, but they really don't know what is keeping this positive charge, protons, together. As a believer, I can tell you I know what's holding them together. God holds all things together, and we know what is holding him. And it says this, by him all things are what? Held together, not just physically, I love this, not just physically for you and me, but in my life personally, my emotions, he's holding me together. He's holding my family together. He's holding my mental stability together. And, and, and it's being held together by Jesus, and by him all things are held together, and by him all things consist. I love that. Verse 18, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. So, um, you know, others would say this. Others have risen from the dead. Lazarus, right? The son from the widow of Nain, uh, the widow's son of Elisha's day. And all those people were raised from the dead, but all of them died again. Jesus rose from the dead and still he is he, he 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 is in heaven and he's in, the scripture tells us he is by his father's side that sits on the right hand side of the father and 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 that is preeminence everyone say preeminence superior he rose and never died again so look at this next part of that says that in everything he might be preeminent it is the father's will and intent that all things the son should have preeminence over each day you begin in every decision that you make. Can I ask you this? Does Jesus have preeminence over your thought life? Does Jesus have preeminence over your decisions? Does Jesus have preeminence over the simple things in your life? Ah, I like him taking control of my spiritual life. But I don't like him getting into my, my physical decisions. My mental decisions at times. To trust God is to give him preeminence over all things in your life. I love that. Verse 19, for in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. All fullness in Jesus. So therefore, the closer I am to Jesus, the further I will be, uh, um, uh, the fuller I will be as a man. Conversely, the further that I pull away from Jesus, the emptier I'll be as a man. How many remember before you got saved? You were empty. You had this hole inside of you. That was dying, and, and and when you came to know Jesus, there was fullness of joy, and God filled that 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 emptiness in you. All creation centers around Jesus; is, is held together by Jesus, points to Jesus, and finds its fulfillment in Jesus. Can I tell you something? Keep the main thing, the main thing. It is all about Jesus. I love that. <laughs> um, some some people like to compart my, can't, compartmentalize their lives kind of like a tv dinner i got church on sunday and then i got my hobbies here on saturday and then i got my work here and so and we have it all compartmentalized and it's all perfect and it's all this but can i tell you something when jesus is the center of your life your life is more like a pot pie where everything's thrown together it's all mixed together so it doesn't matter if you're doing your hobby on saturday you're still loving and you're still worshiping god He's in the middle of everything. I, I, I went to a, uh, a conference one time as a young man, as a teenager, and the one thing that stuck out to me, um, uh, this, this professor, he was an oriental guy, and man, he was absurd. He was crazy. And, and, and I remember I got up there, and, and he got up there, and I was sitting there, and he's quiet, goes up just really quiet to the podium, and he gets to the podium, and he just looks at somebody, and he points, and he goes, what is intimacy? And we were like, whoa, okay, what is wrong with this guy? And he began to talk about the intimacy of God. And he said, is God number one in your life? And this person said, yes, God's. He goes, God's not number one in my life. He is the center of my life. Everything revolves around him. Without him, there is nothing. So Jesus holds all things together in him. All fullness dwells. Look at this, verse 20. And I'm going I'm to cruise through these last ones. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross, and you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. So, so what does reconciled mean? It simply means this. This is recon, reconciliation. This is what this is. Say, hey, I'm going to have a meeting, and I'm going to have. I mean, I'm going to pick on David. Uh, I'm going to have a meeting with David. You're just an easy target for me tonight. Why it's not in here? So you're you're next. All right. So. I am going to have a meeting with you. Hey, we are going to meet at Arby's, okay? Say that the, it's open, okay? Because I know it's not open right now. I don't know why we'd meet at Arby's. So say we're going to go inside and we're going to meet in Arby's. And so going in there uh, and, and I, we're going to meet at 730. You know what reconciliation is? I have to know that m- his clock and my clock are on the same time. Because what happens if, if my clock is not with his clock, we are going to miss each other, right? It's being reconciled in agreement. But notice this. When we are, we are reconciled to God, not God to us. He is the standard. We reconcile to him. God didn't change his watch. No, 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 no. We have to resync our watches to him. So we're reconciled to him. Amen? So look at this, verse 22. He, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Verse 23, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you have heard. Okay? Because Jesus' work on the cross, we can be presented to God as holy and blameless if we continue in the faith. It's that simple, okay? But look at this. But look at this. Look at the second part of this, this bit of scripture. Therefore, I, listen, as a minister of the gospel, I'm going to share something with you. Therefore, I cannot in good conscience conscience, uh, uh, assure someone who walked forward years ago, or maybe got baptized three summers ago, but has not continued in the faith that he will be presented to the Father as being holy and blameless. Oh, man, that's, that's some tough doctrinal change there. So the, ver- the second part of that is if indeed you continue in the faith. Do you catch that? If indeed you what? You have to continue in your faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from, from the hope of the gospel that you heard. Look at this. Next portion says, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven. So Paul reminds us here that God makes himself known to every creature, creations around and co- and conscience with the heart of every man and continual messages to people that there is a creator. One of the things I love to do is walk out in the woods. I don't worship nature, but I, when I'm in nature and I see the handy work of God, when I go outside and I see a sunset and, and I'm just like, man, God, thank you for that. Man, you you are an awesome creator. Uh, you know, and this is what I know about God is Paul, he's saying this, God is fair, look at me, Romans Romans 1 and 2 says this, God is fair and will judge each man according to the knowledge given him, okay? So look at this, and of which I, Paul, became a minister, verse 24 says this, now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up What is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, that is the church. And you say, wait a second, TJ. I don't know about that scripture. I'm having a hard time understanding that scripture because is Paul saying that the work of the cross was incomplete, that that, that the reason that he had to suffer is to complete a, 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 uh, the, the work of the cross. And here's the thing. This is a tricky verse. you you got to look at this in the right way because it is the basis of a Catholic doctrine called purgatory, which says one must keep suffering, particularly those who have not embraced the work of the cross, okay? They like to use this verse. But that is not what is being said here, okay? Look at this. Paul is saying it's not the completion of, but the conformity of Christ's suffering. See, the work of the cross is complete. It is done. It is done. Everyone say, it is done. Jesus said what? It is, it is finished. It is done. But, and, and here's the thing, this scripture does not state a deficiency in Christ's atoning sacrifice upon the cross. But look at this, you've you got to look at this in the right context, but stands a, a conviction that there will be a predetermined amount of suffering to be determined by God's people before the, the consummation of age, Revelation 6, 9 through 11. You can look that up, you can, you, can, you can study through that. So here's the question, that means that we're going to go through some trials, we're going to go through some suffering, Jesus said that They'll, you're going to go through. If you're going to follow me, you're going to go through some suffering. That's just what's going to happen. So why does God allow suffering? Here's what it does: it allows us to activate our faith and show unbelievers our faith in God. Hmm. Verse twenty-five says this: "Of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you." To make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. Verse 27. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery. Here's the mystery. You guys ready? Here's the mystery right here, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you the hope of glory the mystery here was was not not a not a street secret for a chosen few it's sometimes you know we 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 have a secret and we only want a certain group to know and someone wants to know that secret this is not that that kind of secret but this is this is a mystery is something that was uh, that needed to be revealed that wasn't previously understood but then is revealed and so when Jesus came he did this similar to the mystery found in Ephesians 3 chapter 3 verse 8 through 10 the mystery was that Jews and Gentiles were in one body of of christ's church so they came together so that's what it says in ephesians It talks about that but here is the mystery in colossians is that christ is living in you not just uh telling you what to do but he is he is working through you amen how many could say hey i'm redeemed by the blood of the lamb jesus christ has taken up residence inside of me i like this i this is i was thinking about this and this is a great great example here is if there's a rookie quarterback in the NFL and and he is studying film and he is watching the great Tom Brady, as much as I don't want to call him the great Tom Brady, but Tom Brady and he is watching him all day long, can I tell you something, it doesn't matter how good that young rookie quarterback is, it may not translate as he watched Tom Brady into him when he goes out on the field. Just because he watches it doesn't mean he'll duplicate it, right? But here's the thing, if Tom Brady would Leave the film and and take up residence within the rookie's body. He would get he would get it. He would say, "I understand what Tom Brady's doing. I understand his footwork. I understand where I should be." And this is the mystery that Paul is writing about. This is what I'm going to share with you. It's not being like Christ. It is Christ in you, showing you how to pray, what to pray, when to pray, how to spend your time. As he writes, His will on your heart. The mystery is not, listen to me, the mystery is not imitation, it's impartation. There's a lot of imitators, but there's a difference between imita- uh, imitation and impartation. There's a lot of difference in those two things. Uh, you know, are you saying I, I shouldn't be like Christ? Yeah, you should be like Christ, but it's, you should be like Christ because he's imparted into you. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. Verse 28 says this. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. So this this translation says mature, but in the King James Version it actually says uh, perfection in Christ. Maturity or perfection in Christ is not based upon anything we can do, but rather upon all he's done it. Um, it's not dependent upon your works. It's not about what you can do, but it's instead upon his works within us. Verse 29. I'm going to, Kentley, can you help me out, buddy? Um, verse 29 says this. For this I toil, struggling with uh, all his energy that he powerfully works within, with, within me. So I'm learning this as a parent. I, I'm learning this one as a parent right here. And how many know, and some of you could say this, um, uh, could say this, that you, uh, how many have had teenagers? How many know that teenagers are hard, hard to raise? Hey, man. <laughs> and I'm learning this as a parent. Uh, that which you will most effectively com- communicate to your kids is that which works within you. It's not the words that I speak. But it's the words with actions that's it and 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 what will be effective and fruitful in ministry is not what I know. it's not how well you know what you know okay listen i I could teach it but but it's how I live it out and oftentimes we go off of this, I have all this knowledge and i I know this and this and this, and it goes back to loving on people and is it important I, I, I talked to a young man this week and I won't keep you very much longer but I talked to a young man this week and he said I, I was talking to someone and he said I had to correct them and, and I said what, what do you mean you had to correct them and he was probably not in the right position to correct them truthfully but was he right probably I said did, did, you, did you correct them in love and he said well I, you know I tried but now they're not talking to me I said part of that as being a leader is being discerning when to when not to. I'm learning that as a parent. Sometimes there's times where you correct. Sometimes there's time where you where you wait. And knowing this, ha- has it become part of you? Is, is is if you share what is working within you, it will be giving. It'll be anointed. Because it's truly, it'll truly be Christ ministering the hope of glory through you. Will you bow your heads with me? God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for your goodness and mercy. God, there's a lot to unpack in that little chapter. It's a lot of depth. A lot going on there. But Lord, God, I pray, Lord, that you would open our eyes. That is the people of God. God, may we be a church of faith, love, and hope. God, may we be able to pray for others with the fervency that Paul prayed for the Colossians. Not knowing every detail about them, not even ever meeting them, but praying for them, thanking God for them, asking God to give them instruction, asking God to give them. God, we know that in all things... Hmm. Lord, you hold all things together. God, in our lives, God, you hold our emotions together. Lord, we may be struggling with needs and circumstances, but God, you, you hold us with your strong right arm. God, you've imparted into each and every one of us the hope of glory, Jesus Christ, the hope of glory. He dwells within us. God, we're grateful for that. God, tonight, Lord, we lift up every person. Lord, there's so many people, Lord. There's so many phone calls I got, Lord, with people dealing with sickness. Pray, Lord, that you would touch their body, Lord, that you would minister to them. God, that you would strengthen them, Lord, in their minds and in their hearts, some of them struggling even spiritually, God. God, I ask, Lord, that you would touch the deepest part of their hearts, Lord, the deep, deepest part of their minds. God, thank you for bringing us together, God. I, I pray this year, God, Lord, that you would take us to higher heights, to greater depths than you. God, as we learn your word, God, I pray, Lord, that we would bring much fruit. Thank you, Jesus, Lord, we give you praise, we give you adoration. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Thank you for being here.